Uh, well, this morning we are kicking off a new series uh, called The Good News of Great Joy, and we're coming off the backside of a gratitude series, and I was just thinking like, man, we have good news of great joy that we can celebrate, yet sometimes that kind of gets overwhelmed in this season. And I was thinking about it, we were brainstorming as a teaching team, and it hit me as like, do you know who just gets that? Because uh, as believers, we get that, we know it, we buy the signs, we put them on the wall um, in the bathroom. But like this joy stuff, but I was like, do you know who gets it? Omar. I met Omar a couple months ago, and I was like, Omar gets it. It would be incredible if Omar could come and share that with you guys because he gets it. So that was, that hopefully was the message. That you guys saw the good news of great joy and he doesn't, it's not a theory to him. He understands it through faith. And hopefully as we look at the Christmas story, we're going to also be able to understand that at another level of faith of what that really looks like. But I want to start this morning by just asking, where is your joy level at? Like as you're sitting there right now, where is your joy level at Omar's joy level is, uh, it, you know, he's up here, he's sharing, but I encourage you afterwards, have a conversation with him. Just thank him for what he's doing. You will experience where his joy level is at. Where is your joy level at right now? And as we look forward and we look at, like, where are things going later this month, knowing that Christmas is coming and that usually is wrapped up with a lot of expectations, I don't know if that's a good thing for you or a bad thing for you, um, but... Are you actually anticipating joy moving forward, or are you anticipating stress? As things get closer to Christmas, yes, it's a time full of joy, right? That's what at least uh, some people think. You know, at least the stores think. You know, that, that's what some of the TV channels think. But parents know and family members know that this is also a time riddled with stress. So where are you, what are you anticipating as we're moving forward this season. And so we're going to be looking over the next, this week, in the next four weeks, we're going to be spending some time looking at good news of great joy. And we're going to be doing it a little bit different. We're going to be, yes, celebrating the Christmas story, but we're going to hear about the Christmas story from four different authors who wrote letters who are actually dubbed the Gospels, which means the good news. So we're going to look at Mark's, uh, at Mark's experiences, at Luke's, at uh, actually next week, Mark this morning, John, and then Matthew, and then Christmas Eve, we're going to look at Luke's um, gospel. But we're going to look at the good news through these four different men who wrote these books who are called the gospels. But this morning, I really want to focus on, are you anticipating joy? Are you anticipating straight stress as we head into the holiday season, as we're heading into celebrating Christmas? So this morning, we're going to be looking at the book of Mark. This is a gospel letter written by John Mark, written by uh, the Mark who was actually not one of the original 12 disciples. And he actually, uh, for the most part, people think that Peter's the one that, that told Mark a lot of these things. And Mark's the one that actually penned this. But Peter was the one that had most of these experiences that, that gave him through Mark. Remember John Mark? He was the one that went on Paul's first missionary journey with with. <laughs> with Paul and Barnabas, and then he kind of bailed halfway through. That's, what probably, that's probably what your Cuban fan was like. Remember, remember Omar? He bailed on us. He went to the U.S., and they're down there like trying to do Cuban church. Uh, he bailed on them halfway through, and then like the next time they were going out, there was an argument, and, and actually that's what like Barnabas went this way, and, and, and Paul went this way because of Mark. That's, that's the guy who wrote this. And we love, I, I love this gospel because it's kind of short, it's to the point, it has a lot of the stories, but we're going to look at the Christmas story through 
Mark's penmanship this morning. Um, and we're going to start at the very beginning. Mark 1.1 says this. This is the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. This is the way it starts. And when we look at Mark, you think, well, there's no Christmas story in Mark. It's right here. The good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God, which is what Omar said both times. The good news. This is real. This is the good news. It began just as the prophet Isaiah had written. Look, I am sending my messenger ahead of you, and he will prepare the way. Right now, we're in the Bible reading plan. We're going through Isaiah, a prophet who is talking numerous times throughout the whole book. We're going to see all of these uh, foreshadowings of the Christmas story. It started way back in Isaiah. He is a voice shouting in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord's coming. Clear the road for him. This messenger was John the Baptist. He was in the wilderness and preached that people should be baptized to show that they had repented of their sins and turned to God to be forgiven. So we even see in, in Malachi, the beginning of Malachi, uh, which is the last book of the Old Testament, 400 years before Jesus came, prophesying still about John the Baptist coming to pave the way. And that's what's going on here. This is John the Baptist. John the Baptist was a man who, if you, if you remember this, who was kind of supernaturally given to his parents. They were of old age. They couldn't have kids. Uh, his father was in, was in the temple. He was doing his duty his wife, his, his mother, Elizabeth, she couldn't conceive. They were way too old, and God had promised them. Uh, he, he told his dad, Zachariah, you're going to conceive a son. And he's like, are you kidding me? We're, we're way, way, way beyond those years. And supernaturally, they got pregnant, and this was John the Baptist. Six months later, that's when Mary and Joseph supernaturally became pregnant with Jesus. So John the Baptist is Jesus' cousin who's six months older than him, and he came on the scene with no expectations other than he was to pave the way to talk about Jesus. That was his whole purpose. That's what the angel said his purpose was. That's what was prophesied in Isaiah. That's what was prophesied in Malachi. He was there for one purpose, and that was pave the way. He wasn't the answer. He wasn't the good news, but he was there to share about the good news. And this, this just blows my mind. You know, in in today's world, when, when I have good news, you know, depending on the level of good news, I, I adjust the way that I report the good news. Like, earlier this week, I, we were able to get my daughter, like, upgrade her phone, and that was good news that I wanted to tell her, not over text message, right? Because there's, like, there's good news, like, I want to hear her voice, I want to see, like, so the better the news, the different way you share it. You know, these whole gender reveal parties, like, Dude, this is so exciting for your first one, maybe. Uh, <laughs> so exciting that, like, we have to throw a party and we have to blow something up or do something to go viral because this is so exciting. Yet, if we look at the entirety of Scripture, God does something that is beyond my comprehension. He set apart John the Baptist. And he was, he was born to parents well outside of the natural to pave the way. And he had some specific things where he lived a life that was not like most people. He stayed away from things. He, was, he lived a very pure life. He was out in the wilderness, and he had one purpose, and that was to tell people that Jesus was coming, the Messiah was coming, to repent and get ready. Not him, but to get ready. Jesus did all this because the good news is that good. 
so John announced, this is what he was doing. Someone is coming soon who is greater than I am, so much greater that I'm not even worthy to stoop down like a slave and untie the straps of his sandals. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. That's a whole nother level here. Uh, when was the last time you announced someone that was greater than you? When was the last time that you said someone else is greater than you? And that was John's whole entire stick. That was his whole entire life was announcing that it was not about him. There's something greater than him. And I'm asking you this where it wasn't really for you to appear to be humble. Or it wasn't really just to make it about you kind of like, I'm not talking about like you taking a picture with some celebrity and being like, look, this guy's way better than me. But you're really posting it to tell people that you're better than them because you were with this person. Right? <laughs> when was the last time you genuinely, genuinely said, it's not about me, they're way better. And not just appear humble. That was John's whole entire life. That was his whole entire life set apart by God because this is how he was going to pave the way for the good news that was going to be shared. One day, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and John baptized him in the Jordan River. As Jesus came up out of the water, he saw the heavens splitting apart and the Holy Spirit descended on him like a dove. And a voice from heaven said, you are my dearly loved son and you bring me Great joy. This is some confirmation of what John, of what John the Baptist was saying, that the, Jesus was the Messiah. The Spirit then compelled Jesus to go into the wilderness. Spirit that ascended on him, compelled him to go in the, in the wilderness where he was tempted by Satan for 40 days. He was out among the wild animals, and angels took care of him. Later on, after John was arrested, and we're going to keep going in a second, but John was arrested for doing the one thing that God created him to do, was to pave the way and say, Messiah is coming. It's all about him. And for him to say, as a warning, out of love, repent, turn from your sins. And he was arrested because Herod at the time, he had a couple other uh, relationships that weren't, that weren't going to land him in heaven. And John the Baptist knew so much, it cared so much, and he said, repent from that. Your relationship with Herodes is not good. Repent from that. That's not okay. And so he locked him up because he didn't want to hear that. He loved him, though. He, he still knew something was special about John the Baptist, so he didn't kill him. He kept him in prison. But we know what happens eventually. We'll find out a few chapters later what happened to him eventually. He was beheaded. His head was removed from his body. Herod called for that to happen because his the daughter went out she did a dance it was amazing he said oh you're amazing i'm gonna boast in front of him and say you're better than whatever but really this is about me anything you want up to half my kingdom what do you want she says i'm gonna go talk to my mom the mom said hey get rid of that guy so she asked for that guy's john the baptist head on a platter he herod says yes has the guy executed his head is delivered on the platter and that when the head was removed that was the end of john the baptist John the Baptist's entire life had one goal in mind. And from the start till the end was paving the way for the good news. And guess what? God knew about this. God designed this. This was God's plan. To have a, a person who was set apart and his sole purpose was to say, get ready. There is good news that is going to bring great joy. It's beyond anything. I'm going to give my whole life just getting everyone's attention to say it's not me. There's good news coming. So this is before he was 
killed, but John was arrested. Jesus went into Galilee where he preached God's good news. The time promised by God has come at last, he announced. So John the Baptist is still in prison, but his ministry is, is done. He did his ministry. Jesus announced the kingdom of God is near. Repent of your sins and believe the good news. Transition from John the Baptist saying, repent, the Savior is coming, the Messiah is coming, to Jesus saying, it's near. Now I'm telling you to repent and believe the good news. I want to ask you this morning, have you really heard and received the good news? Because I hear that and I say, yes, I do know the good news. I do know the good news. And we actually just see what the good news is. The kingdom of God is near. The kingdom of God is near, which is where we were born for the kingdom of God, yet we have disqualified ourselves. Yet God sent Jesus to redeem us. And Jesus was the way that we can actually be back in the kingdom of God. Have you received that? And I want to ask you, have you really? Because we can say, yes, I hear it. Yes, I got it. I understand. But then it doesn't really change anything. And, and, and maybe you've been here too, but you've heard good news from somebody. And you hear like, yeah, that's great news. But I know you're not going to really do it. I know you're really not going to follow through with it. Like, I hear, like, I'm really excited for you. Like, you think you bought the last lottery ticket and you're going to win. But you, don't, you know they're not going to win. And when it comes to the good news, have you really heard and received it? That there is an opportunity that we can be reconciled with our Father. That Jesus was here on earth to pave the way and to ultimately sacrifice his life willingly to offer forgiveness, not for anything he did, but for each one of our sins. So when God our Father looks down on us, he sees the, the blood shed by Jesus, and he counts that on our behalf. And we're received as his children. And we are a part of the kingdom which our Father rules and Jesus paid the price. So we don't have to. That is the good news that John spent his whole life prepping people for. And then it comes and we have it. And 2,000 years ago, Jesus shares it. But have we really received it? We just kind of kind of got it. Yeah, but let's move on. At Journey, we have to interact. We have to actually receive it, not just hear it like good, great, probably. But we have to interact with the gospel. We have to actually admit that we need that, admit that we are so fallen short that when it does come to us in front of God, we are going to be highly embarrassed, ashamed, found guilty on multiple accounts, that there is no winning lottery ticket. We have to admit that there's no other way, that life as we know it in eternity is damned because of our shortcomings we have to start by admitting that and then believing that Jesus died on the cross actually receiving that believing that Jesus died for you not just for the other people you know that are better than you in your mindset but trusting Jesus' words that he died for you he knows the depths of your skin of your sin he knows the depths of your failures and yet he still died for you do you receive that do you believe that and then do you choose to live a life not about you, but about him 
one of the most famous verses in the, in the book of Mark is Mark 10, 45. He says, for even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and give his life as a ransom for many. Do you commit to following Jesus and to live your life to serve, not for your own purposes, but to serve him? As John the Baptist came and he gave his life to serve God, Jesus came to lay his life down as a ransom for many. Do you really receive the good news? And if you do, if I do, I think we would be jumping for joy because of that. The whole, the whole basis of this, of this series is inspired when the angel is talking to, to all this crowd out, out in the fields, talking about the birth of this baby. And the angel said to them, do not be afraid where creepy, weird, strange things are happening out in the field. Angels coming to you. He said, don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Not that now you guys need to do this or we're going to give you another chance, but that God our Father has sent his son, the Savior, to pay the price to ransom himself for us so we can be redeemed. Good news of, that will cause great joy. But maybe you're like me, and, and that sounds good, but you realize, like, I get it. But I'm not, like, I'm, and I'm trying, but I'm not experiencing great joy. What am I missing? Why don't I have great joy? And we see two times in the New Testament where, uh, I, I love this, where one James and one Paul, he says to people who are in tough situations, he says, you can choose joy. In the midst of circumstances, you can still choose joy. And I don't see in the Old Testament where there's a choice to truly choose joy. People were joyful in some things. But after Jesus came to lay down his life to ransom for us, we have the ability to choose joy because of the good news. And, and how do we choose it? In Galatians, Paul reminds us. He says this in 5, 16 and 17. So I say, let the Holy Spirit, remember the Holy Spirit who ascended on, on Jesus, who then called him into the wilderness, who then was with him when he was tempted, the Holy Spirit, who is God, who can lead us. He says, so I let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. And you're like, we're in church. My sinful nature doesn't crave anything. I'm a good person. You lie. Your <laughs> sinful nature is ruining your life. It's ruining your life. Your sinful nature has craves that you cannot, you don't know what to do. You're like a pregnant woman. I, I have to. I need it. I'm craving it. That's what happens when our sinful nature takes over. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what our sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. What? We're Americans. Our good intentions are, you haven't seen my Facebook page? I have good intentions. God, I have good intentions. Why can't I choose joy? What's going on? I'm trying my absolute hardest. I'm sharing the right things. I'm disliking the wrong things. My intentions are so pure. I don't want to give in to my sinful desires. How do we do this? He goes on to say, but the Holy Spirit produces, because he says, you have to surrender your life and choose to follow the Spirit. 
You cannot be default to your sinful desires. You have to choose to follow the Spirit because the Holy Spirit produces. Not Tim, not you. You don't produce this. It's not your free will that produces. It's the Holy Spirit that produces the kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. The, the fruit of the Spirit. But look at this. Produces love. Our ability to truly love and joy. Joy is a byproduct of the Holy Spirit at work in your life, which is given to you when you surrender and choose to receive the good news and follow Jesus. And when you get to choose each and every day, each and every moment, you get to choose. Are you going to choose to follow the Holy Spirit or are you going to choose to try to manage your life? And when we manage our life, we see just above this in the text, it says what our life can look like, a train wreck. But when we choose to surrender to the Holy Spirit, that's when the fruit of the Spirit are produced through the, the Holy Spirit which joy is one of those. And this is so important. At Journey, we talked about, or it's already been mentioned once today, we have our front row cards. And as we enter into this Christmas season, and there's like, where am I on the joy scale, all that stuff, we, we, we are, I am terrible self-awareness. I think I'm happy all the time. You're not the only one. I get that all the time. Like, why are you so serious? Why are you so angry? I'm like, why are you so rude? I'm not. I'm like one of the most <laughs> joyful people I know. Are you kidding me? Here's why. Because we try to we go on our good intentions, but the reality is we're affecting the people around us big time. And you may think you're joyful, but people around you are like, yeah, that person, they go to church, woohoo, I'm, ha I'm happy for them, but I'm not convinced. We have front rows because we're not here. I don't have to live the perfect life. John the Baptist, he was on all the time. And he did live a really good life. We are called to be obedient and to live a, such a life that's influential to the 8 to 15 people that God has supernaturally, strategically placed in the front row seats of your life right now in this season. But this other verse from Mark, Mark chapter 5, Jesus heals this guy who was psycho crazy, nuts, and pretty famous for it. And he, his whole life was just changed, and Jesus literally did this and changed everything in him. And what was his response? It was what your and my response would have been. Dude, I want to follow you. I'm in. Let's go. And what did Jesus say when he said, can I come with you? Jesus said, no. Go home to your family and tell them everything the Lord has done for you and how merciful he has been. God has given us the privilege and the assignment to live our life intentionally, to share that with our family, with the people who truly know us. And when it comes to joy and it comes to that choice, we need to be intentional to distribute that and the people in our front row, they're actually experiencing that or not. Because the truth is, I, I, I mean, I'm just so guilty of this, where I think I'm joyful. I can go and I can even preach a message on joy. I can preach a message of, I know I'm terrible, whatever. But then the people around me are like, just straight up confused. And they just put it under occupation of, that's what a pastor is. They're just a little bit confused. And sometimes as believers, we can do that. They're like, believer, yeah, but they're not really trusting Jesus. They are actually trusting themselves, and they don't want to admit it. The people on your front row experience you. Even if you're like, I never said that, they don't need you to say it because they're on your front row seats. So the big challenge this morning is not only to surrender to trust the Holy Spirit to guide you so that a byproduct can be joy, and we can choose that, for ourselves, not just so we have the best Christmas ever, 
Not just so we can truly believe and celebrate it, but so we can actually influence those people on our front row seats. So the big challenge today is to spend five minutes thanking God for the good news. And some of you are like, that guy is so slow. I can do that in like two seconds. <laughs> if you set your timer for five minutes with the sole intention of thanking God for the good news, I believe we can begin to experience that on a deeper level than just thanks God for dying for me. That's awesome. I knew that, but thank you. Remember we had this conversation where I repented 12 years ago and got baptized? Still thank you. But instead, really thanking him and understanding and, and seeing God's love and God's perfect plan that he would hundreds of years before he sent a savior send multiple prophets to speak about this, to give so many warnings through people who were not accepted for their warnings. They were killed for their warnings. They were ostracized for their warnings. They were hated for their warnings. And then him to do something completely unnatural and allow gross, super old grandparents to get pregnant and they're older than ever in the room, so you can say that's gross, too. <laughs> and have this baby. They're not fit to be parents. They're way too old. And this baby's sole purpose was to pave the way, say the Messiah is coming. There's good news that is coming. And if you're a parent, you're happy that you're, there's a stud on your kid's team, but you don't want other people focusing on that. You want them to see how good your kid is. And their whole parents, everything was, it's not about John the Baptist. It wasn't about their kid. It was about the good news that's coming. And then he died on that mission. And then Jesus, God's son, and there's a lot of obedience in there. Jesus, God's son, who was perfect, died on his mission. And we see it and we're thinking, what happened? And we can step back and say, Dude, this news is so much bigger than anything I could have ever understood. That God through He transcends our understanding of the way the world works to let us know, to let us know about this. So we could hear this good news, and it's a, it's a gift of salvation that is He is taken care of for us because He loves us so much. And we have the tremendous privilege of not only receiving that, but sharing that with the people around us. Not by just saying, yeah, I'm a Christian. You haven't seen my status on Facebook. You haven't seen what I like lately. But to live it out so the people around us experience that. And then if you're struggling with that like I do, identify evidence of joy in your life this week. Five minutes thanking God. And then where are the evidences of joy in my life this week? And it shouldn't be on the back end of having like a quad espresso. Like I was super jacked up joyful for a few hours. It should be not because of something you did, but works of the, the Holy Spirit. A byproduct of the Spirit working in your life. Even if the Spirit is leading you into the wilderness to be tempted by Satan or something that the circumstances that it's leading you to aren't your ideal, you don't understand it. But we have the privilege we can choose joy because of the good news, because of what Christ has done for us, and we have been redeemed to our Father. We can choose joy in the midst of that. 
And there should be byproducts of joy in our life, regardless of your circumstances. I don't care how broke you are, how much people hate you, how terrible your life is, the, the whole, every, all your bad decisions and all this stuff, like, I can't be joyful because of this. Wrong. When we follow the Holy Spirit, we can experience joy. It's a byproduct of the Holy Spirit on us, not us and our intentions. And I just want to conclude with this thought. We're ramping up to Christmas. It's December 5th. A month from now, it's going to be January 5th. So you're going to look at me like, who, who puts the tree away? When's that going to happen? But the reality is that on the back end of this holiday, are we going to be like, we survived and we should be able to pay off the debt by November to do it again? Or are we going to say, that was a year that I actually not only tried every day to receive the good news and to look for the joy and to realize, okay, there's not joy. Maybe I should stop trying to produce joy and surrender to the Holy Spirit and follow what the Holy Spirit is doing and trusting the Holy Spirit to produce joy. But then also living in such a way that is beyond us. It's bigger than us. It's bigger than how did I feel this Christmas? How was it for me? But it was so real in my life that the people who sit in the front row seats of my life experience the good news and experience us as John the Baptist saying it's not about me it's all about him and we can tell the stories of the rich mercies of our father who sees us and loves us and send his son Jesus who we're celebrating this baby no we're celebrating the savior of the world the messiah literally the anointed king for each one of us and for the people in our front row. We have the privilege and the joy of not only knowing that, but sharing that with people in our lives. Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you. God, and admit, I do not fully comprehend the magnitude of the good news. And even still, it's great news. God, you love me so much that through my ignorance, through my pure defiance, through me just not wanting to even, I, I'm too busy to do this right now. God, your plan was to send the good news, was to send your son, was to send the Savior, the Redeemer, on behalf of each one of us, God, so we could be reconciled through you, not through us, but be through him. God, and we get the opportunity to receive that and live that, and then we can actually choose joy, choose to follow the Holy Spirit and experience the fruits of the Spirit and give you glory and make an impact on the people in our front row seats of our life. God, we thank you and praise you for that in Jesus' name.